previously on Cardiac. After multiple missed chances to clinch the division, Carolina secured a division title with a road win at Arizona. The Panthers would claim the number three seed in the NFC and host the Cowboys in a first round game. At that point, Carolina's only playoff win in franchise history came against Dallas back in 1996. I can even remember the pre-game. You know, the teams line up on different sides of the 50, you go through their stretches and all this. And um, one of the Cowboys' helmets had rolled across the 50 out of the Panthers' side of the 50 pregame. And Bill Polian, the GM, picks the helmet up and flings it back across the other side. Like, he was setting the tone for the day. And it was such a physical, surprising beating. Aikman back to pass from his own seven. Puts it up down the middle of the field. Intercepted by Sam Mills! Fittingly, Sam Mills with the interception at the end of the game, which sealed the win and I'll never forget Sam talking to Jim Zoki in the locker room. Sam Mills had never won a playoff game and what that meant to him to have that big interception at the end to take it all the way down to the one and to get his first playoff win on top of that. I mean, he was tearing up. He was really emotional about that. Literally choking up and he's the guy that sealed the deal in the win over Dallas. Fires for Pro in the end zone. He got it! Fires over the middle. Is that intercepted? Yes! It is up. It is good! Panthers have won it in overtime! Smith at the 45 to the 40! It's free! It's 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Yes, Charlotte, there is a Super Bowl, and we're in it! Cardiac. For the Panthers... The playoffs began with a home date against the Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend. In its ninth season of existence, it was Carolina's second playoff appearance. It was also the second meeting of the season with the Cowboys. Carolina went to Dallas in Week 12. Rookie left tackle Jordan Gross. I remember that Leroy Glover is a grown man that I couldn't move an inch off the ball. He was a defensive tackle for them that just incredibly talented. That was a hostile environment in the old stadium there with that, you know, open, partially open dome and the Astro turf. It was fast. Um, they had a good game plan for us. And at that point in time, we were just a kind of a team to watch, a team that you, whenever you're on a team that has a good record going or a good streak, you can tell that the other team is a little bit more geared up to play you. And that's definitely how that Dallas game was the first time. Quincy Carter in the shotgun. Stunt coming. Carter fakes. Pumps down the middle of the field. Oh. Yes! Touchdown! Back to throw to Lome. Has time. All the ball floats in the air. And it's picked off. Bootleg by Carter. Back to pass. Fires into the end zone. And it's caught! Oh, and a marvelous catch. Touchdown, Dallas! And who knows, these teams may meet again in the postseason. And this one is over. But a bitter taste in their mouth again as they leave Texas Stadium. Final score, Dallas Cowboys 24, Carolina Panthers 20. Although Dallas got the best of Carolina in the regular season, these weren't the Cowboys of the 90s. The halcyon days of Aikman, Emmett, and Irvin had passed. Jake DeLome knew the Panthers were the better team. They were losing. There's, there's no doubt. Like, we lost to them in November. Like, they were losing this playoff game. There was no doubt. We was going to beat them like a drum. They didn't have a shot. It wasn't just Steve Smith and DeLome who had confidence and conviction. It started 
with John Fox and the coaching staff. You know, we uh, assumed they were going to, you know, use, you know, pretty much the same game plan. And, uh, you know, we just had a, a way better answer for what they did to us in the regular season in that playoff game. And, you know, they blitzed us a lot. And, you know, you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. And in that, that game, we, we executed really well, both in protection and in the passing game, because uh, you got to be precision, you got to be precise in how you do things when they're pressuring you like that. And our guys handled it really, really well. It was what we experienced or what we went through the first time playing against Dallas. And, and we walked in and we got hit in the mouth. So we knew we were going to get hit in the mouth. So it was, hey, button up your chin strap, put your mouth card in, you know, get your rest. We were not expecting a dogfight. We were looking for a dogfight. They went to hit us in the mouth. And the first time we played, we took it. The second time at home in the playoffs, we ducked. But then we counterpunched. Punching back was something Sam Mills knew all about. The hero of the 96 playoff win against Dallas was now Carolina's linebackers coach. Defensive back Mike Minter played with and for Sam Mills. Let me tell you, man, I'm a hitter, and people stop and watch me hit people, right? And I'm on the field with Sam. Now, this is the first time in my life that this has happened. We play in New Orleans, and he hit the running back so hard. Like, I'm I'm coming in to get the tackle, and then he comes from some, oh, it was like a, a cannon. When he hit the dude, and I felt the dude, and he was he was like, you know, like made a noise. And I stopped in my track, and I said, man, I have never, ever, I'm saying this in my head, seen somebody hit somebody that hard. And, and I will remember that like it was yesterday because the impact at which he came was, um, man, I was in awe. And and I've never been in awe with somebody on the football field. <laughs> now I'm in the middle of the game. Boy, that right there to me exemplifies who he was as a person because his spirit was all in what he did. He gave everything he had to every game. For Mills, his fight began before the 2003 season even started. Team historian David Monroe. It's crazy. We had a preseason game at Green Bay in 03. I remember riding on a golf cart from the locker room to the press box with Sam. No idea anything is wrong with him. And then right before the final preseason game against the Steelers here, we put out a press release saying that Sam has cancer. And you're just in complete shock. Just a few weeks earlier, you announced that one of your starting linebackers has cancer. And here, just a couple weeks later, your linebackers coach has cancer. And you're thinking, holy cow, there are things more important than football. Mills had intestinal cancer. Panthers linebacker Mark Fields was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Fields would miss the entire 2003 season, but did return to play for the Panthers in 2004. As for Mills, while his cancer revelation was public, not everyone knew the severity of the diagnosis. Head coach John Fox. I knew early on, again, you know, I meet with the trainers every day. The trainers would update me. Uh, you know, I knew the doctors. You know, I think he even went up to the big hospital in New York uh, for treatment. 
um, and I knew the people there. So I was aware, and I think for the most part, the coaching staff was, you know, um, uh, you know, and those were things that were personal. So, it, you know, a lot, a lot of people didn't share it with the team, you know, because it's private. But, um, you know, I think at the end, I think it, it started to, to show. And uh, I think most of the kind of team knew the severity of it um, as the season wore on. Defensive end, Mike Rucker. We play the sport because we love it, and it's a game. At the end of the day, it's a game that we get paid to do. We played the game for free longer than we've been paid for. And so a lot of times that's the way that we, we look at it, right, even though it's a job. But then there's times and situations like Sam, like Mark Fields. Mark Fields was our linebacker who who had um, had a form of cancer. So all this is going on. So now all of a sudden it's not necessarily the game, it's more personal. And this is life, you know? And so Sam humanized that whole situation. And it made us, one, be thankful for where we were at, but two, play for a different reason and to think about life differently. Despite chemotherapy treatments and its side effects, Mills continued in his role as linebackers coach. Well, if you, if you knew Sam Mills, you would have never expected anything different. You know, the fact that he got cancer was, you know, just ironic to me because a guy could never have lived a life healthier than Sam Mills. Um, I mean, he took care of himself, he trained, he, you know, wasn't a drinker, wasn't a smoker. I mean, he, he took exceptional care of himself and then you know for something like that to you know take over his body and watch how he handled it strength he showed and positive energy he brought to the people around him uh you know just speaks volumes volume to the to, to the man he was and was at that moment the way that he was conducting himself looked like he was battling and he was beating it and he was pushing it back and so for me personally, that's where I was at. Now, obviously, we don't know what's going on inside and what the doctors are saying. But at, at the time, it looked like he was doing it and that uh, he was beating it and he was going to beat it. Carolina was set to host Dallas on Saturday, January 3rd, 2004. Offensive lineman Kevin Donnelly. This was something that Coach Fox instituted during the season where he would have a player speak to the team late in the week before you're going to play that next opponent. You know, give him a day to prepare. I think I used to tell him on Fridays, you know, and it didn't matter whether we're on the road or at home. And I never coached him up on what to say. Part of the concept of letting, you know, somebody speak is, you know, to let them speak from their heart. As for what took place on January 2nd, 2004, Here's team historian David Monroe. There's a lot of different stories about that. There were no cameras there. Pretty much every recollection is a is off of someone's memory. Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome recalls the eve of the big game. We stayed in the hotel the night before the game, the Westin. And the game wasn't until like 8 that evening. And so that's long, just staying all day long. So what John did, we ended up getting buses. Which and the bus just put us and it drove us around to Cedar Street, the other side of the practice field. And we just got out and we kind of walked on the practice field and just kind of just fresh air. I just knew Sam had a lot, you know, going on in his life. Um, I had no idea what exactly he would say. What Sam Mills said still echoes today. Kevin Donnelly remembers. 
I remember having taken a knee and seeing his silhouette in front of me with the backdrop of the Charlotte City skyline and hearing this man quietly talk about the battle that he's gone through. All you can do with adversity and obstacles and difficulties is just to keep going along, do what you do, and just organically said, you know, you just, you gotta keep going. You've gotta keep fighting. It, it's like, you just gotta keep pounding, you know, and, and you do it long enough, you're gonna break through. And we can do that. We've been doing all season, just keep pounding. This is the first playoff game we've had at home. This is the team that beat us during the regular season, but we've done great all week. We just keep pounding. We start the game out great, keep pounding through it, keep working, keep grinding, we're gonna have success. Defensive lineman, Al Wallace. To hear the words, we knew, you know, keep pounding meant keep chopping wood. We hear those things all the time, but I think at that moment we knew that that was something that he was leaving us with. Wide receiver, Steve Smith. I was watching a man with an illness that you didn't know the outcome, and yet he was talking to us as if he knew the outcome. I don't know if we truly knew how sick he was. We knew he wasn't well, but he didn't show it. He coached every day. And so it wasn't until you start getting, I mean, this is the first time we ever heard a key power. You know, it wasn't like, but it was just like, wow. You know what I mean? Just, and it just, they weren't winning. I know we keep saying that, like we were beating that football team. There was no doubt uh, we were going to beat that football team. And then as it went on, you, you you live in the moment. I think that's the biggest thing. And then after, when you take a step back, you're like, okay, wait a minute. That was big what just happened. That speech, the play, you know, just everything about it. That's This is going to be big one day. But I just think we were so dialed in and focused that it maybe got, I don't it didn't get lost because everybody remembers it. But it was just, it was just part of the process. That's not the first time Sam had ever talked about keep pounding. Go back to 1995. The team had started out 0-5. And Sam... Just as he was as a leader, as a coach, was a leader in that locker room. And he told his teammates to keep pounding, keep pounding. That is a phrase that Sam, or a motto, a mantra that Sam used throughout his life. So it just didn't have it, it just didn't resonate for when he had cancer. And on that particular day, that is something that Sam lived by. And he shared that with the team. Wide receiver, Musin Muhammad. All the teammates, you know, the entire team there, you know, felt the pain that he was going through. And for Sam to show up every day the way he was and he was battling what he was battling um, was an amazing testament of the kind of man he was, the kind of teammate he was. And, you know, sitting out on that field that day, going through that walkthrough and then hearing that speech, um, we were all lifted. I think we were all lifted. I think we were all emotionally lifted. And it guided us through the next, next few games. Defensive end, Julius Peppers. It was a special moment that turned into the foundation for, for, for this organization. When the Panthers opened the postseason against the Cowboys, the national narrative centered predictably around Dallas. The Cowboys were back in the playoffs for the first time in five years. And under Hall of Fame head coach Bill Parcells, Dallas boasted the NFL's number one defense. But on that day, they stood no chance. Smith goes up and catches it. Breaks a tackle, 40. Down the field, 50. Can anybody catch him? He's to the 30. He's to the 20. 10, 5. Out at the one-yard line. Davis up the middle, 20. Turns outside, 15. 10, 5. Davis, touchdown. 
Touchdown! DeLone, back in the pocket, downfield. It goes for Steve Smith with coverage there. He went up and got it! Touchdown! What a catch! Blitz is coming by Terry Cousin. Carter throws over the middle, and it's intercepted! Julius Peppers coming back the other way. 30, 20, Peppers 15, and down to the 11-yard line! What an effort tonight by Carolina. 29-10 the final. For us, it meant the world that a guy would give his time sacrifice maybe being with his own family and his kids that he felt a part of this team and that we were going to fight and do everything we could to take him as long as possible at some point during that year i know we had the conversation hey maybe this is why he's fighting so hard every single game we win every playoff opportunity maybe that's going to pull him along even further despite a terminal diagnosis sam mills would make it through the entirety of the 2003 season and the 2004 calendar year. Mills passed away on April 18, 2005. But Sam's spirit lives on in two eternal words. Keep! Keep! Keep pounding. It has become the soul stone and the beating heart of the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers celebrating their annual Keep Pounding Day by serving the community. Hey, appreciate all the Panthers fans rocking with us. Got a big home win. You know what it is. On to next week. Keep pounding, baby. Let's go. I'd never waver, you know, in my belief in what we're doing and how we're doing it and what it takes to win. I know what the answer is. It's not easy. Who are we going to be? And are we going to keep fighting? And are we going to keep pounding? And uh, I believe we will. So I've been able to see this organization grow. And the guys that have come in, the coaching staff, and there's been some highlight moments, right? And there's been some, some history moments. But as far as a groundbreaking DNA moment, that was it. That was it hands down. That kind of culture resonated throughout that building. The fans and everyone, it just resonated with me because it felt like we were every man's team. Keep Pounding really had its roots with Mr. Richardson acquiring the franchise because there was no step in the process where he wasn't met with obstacles, doubt, people saying it wouldn't work, there weren't big enough a market. Any wrong turn here or there, this franchise could have ended up in another city. This is part of this building and this team's DNA, right? That doesn't go away, right? You don't take your blood, your blood cells out of your blood. Like, it doesn't work that way. Keep pounding is part of us. And anybody that puts on this uniform, puts on a T-shirt or the hat, or is employed with this organization, it should be someone's duty inside the building or outside the building or in the community to tell the story of Keep Pounding. The chant of Keep Pounding may seem small, but for the men that who experienced it, it is who we are. You take that away from us, you take away every legend, every person in this city. A key pound that was given to us by a man who was thinking about other people. So understand, keep pounding is not a mantra. It's not words. It is exactly who we are.